The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. You people, you know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. CW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Hello and welcome to Nitro Nights, a WCW Look Back podcast, proudly brought to you by the SJP World Media Network. My name is Sai, and with me as always is the wrestling encyclopedia himself, Scottish Danny. How are we doing, sir? I'm really good, mate. How's yourself? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. Pretty good. Uh, um, Well, yeah, I suppose we haven't actually sat down to record an episode of Nitro Nights for probably a week or two, really, with... uh, Things like my birthday getting in the way, and obviously the the last time we did record was for our NWO bonus episode, which got some fantastic, positive, lovely feedback online from those who have listened to it, which is brilliant, because Danny and I were very proud of that recording, so thank you to everyone who has said they really enjoyed that show, and to those who haven't heard it yet, by all means, please go and check it out in the archives, I guess is the phrase, on the SJP World Media Network and the Nitro Nights streams. It's all available there. But yeah, it's been, a, it's been a week or two, Danny, hasn't it, since we actually watched something in order of the show in the way that we're doing it, I guess. Yeah, definitely. But um, it's been a week or two, but it's just been fantastic because when you watch Nitro again, you're just like, you're automatically refreshed. Yes, exactly. Exactly. The Nitro we are looking at today... As always, we just run in date order of all the shows WCW put out there. So we watched Bash at the Beach last time out. So this is the post-Nitro Bash at the Beach, July the 8th, 1996. And it comes to us from the Disney MGM Studios. So a little outside venue, which I'll get your thoughts on in a moment, Danny. Uh, The TV ratings for that particular Monday night saw Raw pick up a 2.5, Nitro winning the evening with a 3.5, which you probably would expect after what happened the night before people are going to want to tune in and see what happens uh up against this nitro the wwe or wwf is as it was booked a show that saw the ultimate warrior defeating owen hart by disqualification savio vega beating justin bradshaw davy boy smith and vader defeating the godwins in a tag team contest and closed the show with Shawn michaels and ahmed johnson revealing that their tag team partner coming up to replace the ultimate warrior would be psycho sid who is making his return that evening so i mean i'd rather be watching malenko v mysterio than the fucking godwins danny 
<laughs> you said it best, mate. I mean, oh, that does sound rough. Yes, indeed, indeed. You can understand why. I mean, Nitro is, is we've said it before on the show, Nitro is very much, I guess, setting the trend at the moment, isn't it? And, and Raw does feel like it's playing catch-up with regards to what we're seeing on screen and creatively and so on. Yeah, definitely. Mm, indeed. So, Disney MGM Studios, Danny, we have a couple of shows that get filmed here. Uh, and they do return to it at different times as well. But we've got a few episodes back-to-back here that are filmed at this venue. Uh, it's still coming to us live, of course, because that's a big part of what Nitro is. It's a little outside venue. It's obviously in, in the Disney complex, so you have the big Mickey Mouse Tower and, and so on. Quite an open walkway from, I suppose, the dressing room, even to get to the aisle and then to cut through into the actual sort of tiny arena or tiny venue they have the ring set up in. No crowd barriers either. So the front couple of rows are just sat on chairs and it's just there's nothing between them and the actual ring, barring a bit of space in the crash mats. And when the show goes on air, it's still very much in daylight. Have you seen this venue before? Because like I said, they do use it for WCW and Nitro you know, semi-regular. They do revisit it every now and again. Have you seen this venue before? And what are your thoughts on it? No, I haven't seen this, um, especially in a full show. I might have seen a match or two somewhere where they had this arena, but I love this arena because it goes back to what Eric Bischoff always says on podcasts and things. He says, um, always try to be different. And this mm. really, really was different. It had, I mean, just you just described it perfectly. I mean, just because it can be a bit jarring when you're watching um, wrestling and it look even us we know it's in a different arena every week it kind of looks the same like it give raw an example nowadays you can't tell the difference where they are except the fans yeah exactly and i do really like this this little venue they've got here and also the fact that they try and keep they try and keep it thrash with regards to arrow 1 and arrow 2 they change the commentary team and the show does have a slightly different feel. I'm guessing just because the commentators are different and you tend to find a lot of our one, especially in this show we're looking at here today, a lot of our one is spent building up what's coming in our two. So you get some of the bigger names featured in our two and so on. So it does feel like there is a little bit of a, a split between the two hours into not different shows, but different feels and so on here. I think you get that even more so because in hour one, it's predominantly daylight. Yeah. And, and you know, the sun is setting, so you get, you know, it's, it's dusk and so on. By the time hour two is fully underway, it's nighttime. We're under the lights. Obviously, it's still outside. We're under the lights. There's fireworks going off as well. There's this massive WCW logo. I mean, each letter being a separate uh, sort of, I, I guess it must be. 12 maybe 15 foot tall block or glittered up and so on um going across the top of a, one of the seating areas i just think it's visually it's, it's really striking yeah it really really stands out indeed uh our show opens well first of all our commentary team is uh, tony shivani and larry zabisco as it tends to be for this opening hour and tony shivani straight away on commentary through our opening contest as well, is really pushing the second hour. All the way through Tony and Larry's appearance on this Nitro, the commentary is basically dominated by talk of Hulk Hogan, the New World Order, 
and what's coming up in the second hour. That's primarily what they talk about throughout all the matches and everything, Danny, isn't it? Yeah, I love this because it really got over how important um, the turn was of Hulk Hogan the night before. It wasn't just glossed over like, oh, that happened. And we'll see, we'll see in the uh, hour two everyone's reactions. I love this. Um, this took me back to um, TNA did a kind of like a work shoot thing where Jeff Hardy got uh, all drugged up, came to a pay-per-view, uh, wrestled Sting. Uh, are you aware of that match, Sir? Yeah, he was in no condition to perform, was he? Yeah. Bischoff had to go down to the ring and uh, uh, give the message to Sting to, yeah, just pin him. Yeah, yeah. So what TNA did months after this was they kind of turned it into a little storyline where they had wrestlers' reactions um, of Jeff Hardy. Obviously, there were worked shoot um, reactions, but it, I found it very interesting when – I always find it interesting when um, – an angle is so big that you have other wrestlers or commentators pulling it over huge and showing how emotional they are. Yeah, I, I love that as well. And that is a running theme throughout this episode of Nitro. I mean, we'll get into it now, but because, because one of the one of the first people to react other than our commentary team is actually one of the competitors in this opening contest. And we see Dean Malenko, the WCW Cruiserweight champion, and he is defending his championship against Rey Mysterio who has obviously moved up the rankings incredibly quickly because he only debuted what seems like five minutes ago. But never mind. Ray starts very fast. It's incredibly high-flying from Ray Mysterio, the kind of stuff you'd imagine, flying head scissors, drop kicks, you know, springboards off the ropes and so on, before Dimalenko slows him down with, with a crunching backbreaker. And mm. then the pace kind of drops when Malenko is in charge, which is fine. He's the heel. He works a different style to Mysterio, so that is... That works for me because the crowd are going to get excited again when Ray starts getting uh, the upper hand and, and, and speeds the contest up. We get a camel clutch by Di Malenko for quite a while. And, I mean, Malenko's in charge for a great period of time. But none of that is really, you know, discussed or even touched upon by the commentary team because all they talk about is Hogan, which is understandable to a degree. But at the same time, you've got two guys here who are incredibly talented. I mean, I don't know where we're going to go come the end of the year because we've still got a good, you know, seven or well, six months, five months, whatever it may well be, left of television before you and I do our 96 look back, our overall review of 96 and hand out our sort of Nitro Nights Awards. But at this point in time, in July, Dean Malenko is right up there for my wrestler of the year so far. He has been that good. The commentary team just don't mention this at all. It's all talk of Hogan and a record number of letters, phone calls. And what tickled me was a record number of telegrams has been sent to WCW about this. What were your thoughts about this match and and sort of the commentary team, especially for the first part of it, not really discussing what was happening in the ring? I think this commentary if you put um the match where we're going to be looking at next in place of the opener i think uh, we wouldn't have had a problem with this it was just overshadowing a great match with rem Steer and dimalenko um the commentary it could have been toned down a little bit and just kind of because they go on all night about this which isn't bad but um doing it over such an amazing match like this is uh, especially with the result uh, with happening um it can be a bit jarring. Yeah, it's it's getting the balance right, I think, because mm. what happened the night before was quite simply up to this point, and probably even up to present day, the biggest angle in wrestling. 
I mean, there's yeah. always going to be debates and discussions about that. People are probably going to talk about Zabisco San Martino back in the day. Uh, Montreal is obviously always going to be spoken about as well. But when it comes to an actual proper worked angle, Hogan turning heel, the start of the NWO, is right up there as the biggest, if not one of the biggest, you know, moments in professional wrestling history. So I yeah. fully understand that they need to be talking about this and really pressing home how big a deal this is. But they also, I think, need to be commenting on what they're seeing in the ring. And getting that balance right can be incredibly difficult, I imagine. I mean, but before Bash at the Beach, when they were talking about who's the third man and cranking up the the excitement about it, they got it spot on because they were still doing a very good job commentating on what was in front of them and pushing the whole hostile takeover match outsiders who's the third man here i think they just it's just a bit of a miss for me danny to be fair yeah that's absolutely understandable that's what i was just saying about um if they just put on with a match where we don't really care about that much um it would it wouldn't have been noticeable or as much noticeable mm. i'll tell you what you're spot on because we'll get into our second contest in just a moment but i didn't think of that about swapping those two rounds because the opening of the show you're going to be talking about the pay-per-view. It's going to dominate the conversation. I think you're spot on with regards to swapping those two matches round if that's the way the commentary is going to go. Mm. I think that's a really good shape. However, I also think that when you've got people potentially tuning into Nitro for the first time, or they're turning over from Raw to see what's going on, I mean, our next match is the Blue Bloods versus Big Bubba and Hugh Morris. They turn over and see that, they're going to be a bit like, oh, well, I'm going to go back and watch Shawn Michaels, I think. You know, <sighs> so I could, maybe that was why they opened with the Cruiserweights, and you tend to find pay-per-views and quite a few Nitros too open with the Cruiserweights because of that reason. So maybe that came into it, but it, it's a fine balancing act, isn't it? Getting that hook on the viewers and then getting the commentary right as well, I think. Yeah, definitely. You That's a great point, mate. I didn't think about that because it's really a double-edged sword. Mm, it is indeed. It is indeed. Uh, Mysterio misses a moonsault to the outside and cracks his knees on the concrete itself. The crash mats don't run all the way. I mean, I say crash mats. They're incredibly thin mats, aren't they? They don't run all the way from the ring yep. to where the people are sitting. There is a gap, and that's where the exposed concrete is. And Ray's knees hit that concrete. That looks incredibly painful. Um, he does manage to hit a top rope Frankensteiner, however, but Di Malenko then counters another offensive move by Rey Mysterio into that top rope gut buster he does, which always looks brutal. Before we see that kind of real snap head scissors, kind of snap Hurricane Rana Frankensteiner effort that I think goes on to be called, is it the West Coast Pop in WWE? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the one. And it kind of came out of nowhere, really, but. Mysterio hooks the legs, and we've got a new cruiserweight champion, Danny. I loved it. Um, a championship title change in the opener of a um, post a post pay per view Nitro. Really, really good. Yeah, very, very good match. I mean, Milenko is just superb. He's fast becoming one of my favourite in ring competitors on on Nitro, on WCW television that we're seeing. Ray in this era, we've said numerous times, is just different class. The guy is amazing. You know, so, I mean, that this match I don't think could have failed. No. Yeah, sadly, what follows isn't quite <laughs> the same. 
But before we get to our next match, we have Mean Gene, and he is talking with the Nasty Boys and the Steiners. Uh, They are both facing off later on in this episode of Nitro. The winner going to Road Wild at Sturgis, the big motorbike rally, where there's going to be a quarter of a million people on motorbikes, as Eric (laughs) Bischoff keeps saying. I'm going to wager that quarter of a million people are not going to be watching WCW, but, you know, okay, so fair enough boast to make, I think. No, Uh, (laughs) <laughs> that, that, there is something in this I've been uh, waiting to uh, say to you, Si. Okay. This interview, um, Scott Stanner deserves an award because he actually said this with a straight face. He looked at Brian Nobbs and said, we respect your wrestling ability. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Scotty, you little fibber. Uh, <laughs> uh, Scott Steiner also says that we, you know, we respect their wrestling ability. We may not like the way they look and points them up and down and even goes as far as to refer to knobs simply as fatso, which, <laughs> which tickled me. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, you couldn't get away with that in modern day with all the body shaming and all that kind of stuff, of course. But yeah. hearing Scott Steiner scream that at somebody is just, it just raises a smile from my standpoint. Yeah. Um, after this, we get a promo for Glacier. Now, I, we figured this out the other week, Danny, didn't we, that this has been going on, do we say eight weeks, six weeks, something like that? Yeah, yeah, around him. Do you think he's ever going to arrive? Do you know what? He keeps flip-flopping, the saying it's, he's coming July 1996, and now it's back, uh, as of this one, it's back to coming to WCW, so I, I, I just don't know what's going on with this. I wonder if Glacier is just trying to make his way to, to Nitro on foot. And that's why it's taking him so long. <laughs> and then he, he gets near the arena. And then they, Most they probably. Maybe he'll be at Hogwild. Maybe. Maybe. They, they Maybe they finish the show, pack up, yeah. and then they jump on a plane, fly to the next arena. And old Glacier is like, shit. I have to turn around and head in the other direction again. And perhaps that's why it's taking him so long. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Glacier's probably still out there now somewhere, walking the highways of the United States, looking for Nitro, just humming <laughs> his own entrance theme. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Thinking, Glacier is coming, lads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the match that follows this is, as I as I aforementioned, the uh, the Bubba and Hugh Morris contest with the Blue Bloods. Uh, there's not a lot that goes on here, Danny, is there, to be fair? It's not. I, I just wrote down, this is huge Saturday night vibes. Um, oh, yeah. Heel versus heels. I just, I can't get into this match now. Yeah, why? Why? I don't understand that. Because they've got other tag teams. They've got other, and they've also got other people they can just throw together to have, you know, the Blue Bloods win the match, basically. We have a bit of a brawl, and then John Tender turns up, attacks Bubba, and as this is happening, they, the Blue Bloods double team Hugh Morris for the win. And that's that's literally all that happens. There is nothing else of relevance or, or or worth noting in this contest to me. I mean, give me a shout, Danny, if there's anything that I've skirted over there or whatever that you think should be should be brought up. But to me, that's kind of all there is, isn't there? No, that's what I fully agree with that. Just just um, the John Tenter note. When he ran out, I was just thinking, no, this feud continues. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the thing. That's what I was thinking as well. I mean, if 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 they're going to continue with this Bubba Tenta feud, which obviously they bloody well are, <laughs> you don't need to have a heel team versus another heel team because I mean that just confuses people. Yeah, 
and, and you could tell because the, the crowd didn't give a shit, did they? No, and where's the sympathy? Mm. There we go, there we go. But yes, it looks like we are getting more of Bubba versus Tenta, so let us all rejoice. Uh, up next though, <laughs> is um, a completely different feel to what we've just seen with these four big, you know, hefty fellas chucking each other about for a bit. We have two guys very much of the cruiserweight division in Psychosis, making his Nitro debut, and he is taking on Eddie Guerrero. However, this match begins with a little picture-in-picture effort with our brand-new cruiserweight champion. And I thought this is clever, because we've got Psychosis, Eddie Guerrero, but two guys who could be challenging for the cruiserweight title, the new champion popping up on screen, and he's bound to talk about how proud he is and he'll take on all comers and these guys are talented let's wrestle them and all this and really promote the cruiserweight division and the cruiserweight title but no all Ray Mysterio does is talk about kids crying because Hogan's the third man never <laughs> mentions winning the championship once Danny yeah that that's what made me think um they took it a bit far with this but uh yeah I, I can see why they placed it as you just said they why they placed it above this match or just before this match but yeah this could have been done a different night mm. indeed indeed um as you can imagine with Eddie Guerrero and psychosis the match starts incredibly quickly we have uh, th- there's a certain way some of these guys do moves that have an extra snap to them and it is that kind of luchador style and even down to some arm drags that we see early on, they just look so much better than what we could expect from, shall we say, other body types or other class of wrestlers on the show. Absolutely fantastic lightning action. Uh, did you hear Larry Zabisco talking about the humidity? No, I missed that bit. Well, they started off talking about Psychosis's hair, Tony Schiavone and Zabisco. Yeah. And then they slipped into talking about the humidity. And then the, basically... Where they are is is apparently very humid, very warm, even at night time. And Larry Zabisco tried to explain that sweating outside is completely different to sweating inside. So you have to be more accurate with your moves in case people slip away because it's a different type of sweating. <laughs> and it's one of those moments where I, I think he starts talking and halfway through what he's trying to explain I bet in his head he, even Larry Zabisco is thinking where am I going with this <laughs> <laughs> no I completely missed that but yeah that does sound on brand for Larry I was just like what are you talking about <laughs> it's <just one laughs> the ramblings of just absolute nonsense but oh dear uh, both guys take it in turns, sending the other to the outside and get a few moves in on the outside there. Psychosis hits an amazing moonsault kind of kind of corkscrew effort from the top rope to the outside um, and then applies quite a vicious looking arm bar as well. Uh, we're then told that despite all the talk and the hype and the build up and how red hot this angle is, we're not going to see Hulk Hogan. He's not coming until next week, Danny. Oh, do you know what? So when I heard this, it's not, um, it didn't upset me or anything, but it did frustrate me a little bit because it's like, oh man, I was hoping to see, hear Hulk Hogan's reaction. But at the same time, we said it on our NWO episode um, last uh, week where um, they're playing this out perfectly. It's just some days are going to feel like, oh man, I want to see it now. If they gave it all to us now, there'll be nothing to um, have later. So I love this, but also I was frustrated watching this. I was like, oh man, come on. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I guess we're getting so many reactions. I mean, we we get interviews left, right, and center, and everyone who's on the show passes comment about Hogan's turn and the the New World Order and the Outsiders and so on, heels, faces, etc. They don't need Hogan there, I guess, because it is still very much fresh in the mind, is at the forefront of everyone's mind, and so on. And then saying Hogan's going to be here next week, it's almost like you get a double bump in the ratings because people are tuning in this week to see what's going on. And then they get all this reaction and then they're told he's going to be here next week. You almost get that secondary sort of uh, opportunity to get, get eyes on the product again. But I mean, I'm, you know, spoiler alert a little bit, I guess if people haven't you know actually watched this episode of Nitro, we do get Hall and Nash at the end of the episode as well. And they're announced as being visitors arriving halfway through the show. So, Whereas we're getting no Hogan, they are still saying stay till the end of the show because we're going to show you um, pictures of what happened at Bash at the Beach if you've not already seen the pay-per-view. So they're trying to get people to stay till the end for that. And Hall and Nash are going to be here too. So it is quite quite clever in it holding Hogan back, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. Um, we get a... Well, after we're told Hogan's uh, going to be here next week, the match kind of speeds back up again. We're obviously building towards our finish. Um, there's a few flying head scissors from Guerrero and Psychosis. Eventually, Guerrero hits a superplex, which he follows up with his patented frog splash for him to win the match. And I really enjoyed this, Daniel. I thought this was very good. Yeah, this is excellent. This is the first time we've seen Psychosis, isn't it? Uh, no, no. First time on Nitro. They said, oh, it was his, yeah. they said it was a Nitro debut, but if it did, he wrestled Ray at the paper, I think, didn't he? Oh, yeah, Christ. Yeah, 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 yeah. you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're so. right. Yeah, he, um, yeah, this was excellent. Yeah, really enjoyed this match. I always wonder when I look at him, though, is that his real hair? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to guess it his... is. Yeah, I reckon it is. I think it is. Yeah, but it's massive. And bit, I mean, obviously, you know, Larry Zvisco, very, you know, politely and, and, and you know, pleasantly of him explained about the humidity of where they are. Perhaps that <laughs> played into his hairstyle, but there we go. Um, <laughs> after this high-flying, excellent cruiserweight encounter, we have Mean Gene with the Dungeon of Doom. So we're really enjoying what we're seeing. And then here comes the weirdy eyebrow midget himself, Kevin Sullivan, and his gang of goons to bring us crashing back down to the floor. <laughs> it certainly was, wasn't it? But um, I noticed something in Mean Gene here. Um, he was very, very somber when he started this. And then he perked up as soon as he said, but here's the Dungeon of Doom. And it was like, I thought you were sad about Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Gene's just a massive dungeon fan, isn't he? Yeah, he was ecstatic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we need a Dungeon of Doom t-shirt. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, Gene is talking with, with the dungeon. And Kevin Sullivan, and I thought this was quite an interesting take, really. Sullivan says, he, rather than turning around and saying he's disappointed in what Hulk Hogan did because he's screwed WCW, Sullivan says he's gutted because Hulk Hogan himself ended Hulkamania and the Dungeon of Doom didn't get to do it. And yeah. I thought that was a really clever spin on what everyone else is saying. Yeah, it really was. And it's like, it's keeping the Dungeon of Doom heel um, as well as like keeping Hulk Hogan's heel turn fresh as well. Mm. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Uh, the Giant also adds, because I mean, all this going on with, you know, with the third man, the NWO and new Cruiserweight champions and, 
you know, the nasty boys getting called Fatso and all this exciting stuff we're seeing this week. We need to remember, we've still got a world heavyweight champion here and he's a seven foot tall monster in the giant. Because I totally forgot about this guy until I yeah. saw him on the screen. Yeah, he's certainly been, uh, to me, he's been put in a back burner, um, mm. which is a shame. But um, I did love when Jimmy Hart said to um, me and Gene, you could be out of a job. And me and Gene just perked up again and was like, me? What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Giant says, as long as I'm champion, all is fine. Nothing can go wrong in WCW as long as I have this, as he pats the big gold belt. So bear that in mind for the coming weeks i guess yeah at next we have a tag team contest the nasty boys so fatso knobs and his mate jerry sags uh, against the steiners winner gets a title shot at the road wild pay-per-view against the tag team champions harlem heat now the darkness has set in and this place looks even better than it did when the show opened because the lights are taking effect the uh, I suppose the reflective surfaces uh, and sparkly surfaces that are on certain signage uh, are twinkling away. It looks awesome, Danny, doesn't it? It really does. And to add to that, also the pyro just looks amazing as well. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Uh, I also like the fact that when the guys come out here, the, the wrestlers don't, they're not walking out of, you know, the, the ordinary backstage entrance through a curtain, through the sort of stand, I suppose the Titatron as it's called on WWF television. They're literally walking out of a, a sort of place in the distance, having to sort of come around the back of where the seating is and walk through a gap in the seating to get to the ring. And it's just little differences like that that really set it aside from your standard wrestling television show, I suppose. It really does, mate. And it's something that wrestling nowadays tries to do with certain characters like John Moxley, who'll come out through the crowd. Mm. It kind of gives it more organic feel. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, this is primarily a bit of a brawl. Um, we end up with Jerry Sags at one point hitting Scott Steiner with a chair on the outside that he takes off a young kid, which I, I know it shouldn't, but it did make me chuckle. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's kind of, there's nothing wrong with it but there's nothing here that dramatically stands out to me in the duration of this match, Danny. No, the same. I think the only thing that really stood out to me was um, Scott Steiner throwing around uh, Jerry Sags because that always looked impressive. Yeah, Steiner suplexing people and like just chucking them about like they're children is just awesome. Yeah. I love it. But, um, I mean, Sherry and Colonel Parker arrive which is an, an odd one. I mean, are they still a thing? I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, Sherry distracts the referee, and when this happens, Parker uses his cane to clock one of the Nasty Boys, and the Steiners win. So that's a bit of an odd one for me, but I guarantee we're going to see more of that in a while. That's, that, that's a story that is going to develop, I guess. But I only yeah. have a real takeaway from this is how much the Nasty Boys go, ah, during their matches. <laughs> Whether they're getting hit and they're trying to sell a move so if they get punched it's ah ah or when they're hitting their opponent they're making the same noise yeah that that always makes me chuckle um vocal wrestlers there was an article on it not that long ago but the thing that always makes me laugh is i think it comes down to mick foley edge 
uh, and I can add Nasty Boys to it now, and um, Tyrus as well. Each one of them just makes some weird grunting noise each time they throw a punch. <laughs> no, I mean, nothing wrong with, with vocal wrestlers. It's just no. it was the same noise all the way through. It's like, you know, I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand. But there we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have fireworks opening up hour two of Nitro here. So, again, in the dark on outside, it looks wonderful. Eric Bischoff and Bobby Heenan on I here. Eric Bischoff, of course, was missing from Bash at the Beach. And we had lots of uh, projecture about where is he? Has he been kidnapped? Has the NWO got to him? Oh, my God, everyone's so worried. And Bischoff basically apologizes for not being at the pay-per-view and says, it's no big deal. I'll just explain later. I was like, oh, okay. Cheers, Eric. <laughs> I was massively let down. I will say that because it, I mean, we know where this goes with him, but I would have loved if uh, someone had said, if they had said um, Eric Bischoff was tied up in, in some car or something, and that's why he couldn't get out. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, he kind of just was like, oh, I'll explain a bit later. And he does, but we'll get into that in a bit. But yeah, just, yeah it was just kind of a letdown on that aspect because there was so much attention put on it throughout the pay-per-view. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, the Nasty Boys are still in the ring, and I'm going to set you a little challenge here, Danny. Uh, the Nasty Boys are in the ring with Mean Gene Oakland. Gene allows them both to have um, a, a decent amount of time of, you know, mic time, I guess, a decent opportunity to speak. Can you tell me anything they were on about? No, it was very... <laughs> I watched um, the WWE Network with um, subtitles and I did have a, a struggle um, even reading this, but I, from the gist of it, I did see that the Nobs was upset about Hulk Hogan's heel turn. Which, yeah, this that made me feel weird. <laughs> oh, yes. He turns around and says, everyone is surprised. I mean, the heel turn even surprised us. Like them <laughs> being shocked or them not knowing about it beforehand was a big deal. I, I don't ever really place Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags as incredibly intellectual characters, to be honest. No. So shocking or surprising them, I don't think is as big a deal as maybe Brian Nobbs thinks it is. Yeah, that's that's so true. But it's just like before this, was Hulk Hogan known to be friends with the Nasty Boys? No, I don't think so. Well, obviously, you know, out of the business, I suppose it's mm. known. But with regards to what we're watching, kayfabe and all that sort of stuff on screen, it wasn't. They were never really linked in WCW. Yeah, that that's what made me just think, man, this feels a bit a little bit forced with that, but. Yeah, it was just a weird one, but um, I was glad that me and Gene cut knobs off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good old Gene. I can always count on him to shut people up when they're rambling. Um, <laughs> Jim Powers is out next for a match, and he is taking on our new United States champion, uh, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Something I said on Total Stevo's podcast when I guested on there, uh, yesterday, I think it was recorded, and it will come out. Well, yesterday, at the time of our recording, now, but it will come out in many weeks' time because Steve records in, in, in such a big bulk. I, I said about certain guys on the episode of Raw that we watched that if your entrance theme is the best thing about you, you're already in trouble. Yeah, that... I think Jim Parra's entrance theme is a banger, and he did nothing in the ring to make me think there was anything better than his theme. Yeah. I would fully agree with that, man. That's a great point because Jim Powers, I 
know nothing about him. Um, I think we have seen one match of his on these nitros, or maybe a couple, but he's really just a fly-by-night wrestler to me. He was like, I just don't know anything about him. But that, you're right, that theme song is brilliant. It's great. It's really good. It's really good. It's kind of that late 80s sounding kind of heavy metal or sort of almost hair metal-esque riffs to it and so it's right up my street it's right up my street uh, i mean with regards to powers himself he he did spend some time in the wwf in the mid 80s uh he wrestled the likes of the iron sheik and nikolai volkov and so on um he was world class as well in texas for a short period uh he was in the wwf in the late 80s through to around 94 three i want to say maybe 94 primarily as a tag wrestler and so on but didn't really do much with his time there it, he's always been there or thereabouts he's always he's always ultimately the guy's made a living from the business you know he's he was in uh ecw for a cup of coffee and and so on and you know he spends a couple of years here in wcw as well so he's always been there or thereabouts and mm still you know he's still working indie dates into the 2000s and so on i think it was an injury i want to say neck injury but i might be wrong it might be a shoulder injury i don't know why i think shoulder yeah shoulder wow. or neck kind of ended his career so he, he was always there or thereabouts he was always a face that was on tv at some low level and he obviously made a few quid doing it otherwise he wouldn't have kept on for so long no, you're, you're totally right. I'm going to, when you said he was an ECW, that's very much um, intrigued me because um, I would have never guessed someone like that would have been in ECW. <laughs> because, yeah. Sorry, Danny, carry on. No, no, I was going to say it's very much like Barry Horowitz, isn't it? Like he's been always been there, but he's never been like in a major angle or storyline or anything like that. I'll tell you what, that that similarity there, that likeness to Barry Horowitz is pretty accurate, I think. Similar kind of level, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a good uh, a good example. Yeah. Uh, with regards to his time in ECW, it was literally in and out. I think he only worked a handful of matches. Uh, and we're talking... It may even have been when ECW was Eastern Championship Wrestling still. Oh, wow. Because he left the WWF. Oh, man. My Jim Parra's knowledge is not very good, <laughs> so please bear with me. But I think he left the WWF in 93... So he probably worked for ECW in 93, 94-ish maybe, just for a couple of shots. So yeah. that would be before it went full-on extreme championship wrestling, I think. So, But I mean, again, people are listening, don't take all this as gospel. I'm, I'm doing this off the top of my head. I'm probably going to be completely bloody wrong. I talk about Jim Powers potentially retiring from a neck or shoulder injury. It might have been a bad toe for all I saw in now. I'm probably, I'm probably way off. But um, and you know him having a couple of matches in ECW in the in the early to mid nineties, uh, I think is right. But again, please go out and, and do your own research and, and give us a shout at the show and let us know what you find out. Yeah. So then, the match, Flair comes out with the ladies, and the fireworks. And is everything you want Ric Flair to be. At this point, Eric Bischoff tells us he was basically in meetings for the whole of the pay-per-view the previous night. Oh, what so a load of shit. <laughs> I was so let down with this. It was you had something there and you just threw it out the window, is that? Mm. 
Yeah, there we go. Uh, uh, Bischoff does go on to talk about the Hogan situation and says that he's never seen so many kids crying or had so many people ring WCW offices and discuss how their child is upset. And people have been ringing the office and sending in letters and telegrams saying that their children have been destroying their Hulk Hogan merchandise, Danny. Oh, I loved this. Oh, man. I, I wish YouTube was around back then because um, a similar thing happened. Uh, I, I want to say 2013 when The Rock um, beat CM Punk. There was a massive um, outcry on YouTube, especially of people destroying the rock merchandise because they were just like, this is a part-timer. He's just, he's beat CM Punk. CM Punk held the championship for a year. Um, uh, yeah, they was doing it obviously for attention, YouTube views and things, but here it would have been completely organic. I mean, I don't, I don't think um, people actually phoned up WCW to complain no. about, I can't see it. I just, I mean, can you sigh? Mm, probably not mate probably. i love <laughs> i love the way tony Schiavone said though that they get they were getting record number of telegrams <laughs> i just love the idea of people back in 1996 sending wwhq a telegram with how upset they are about hulk hogan's actions that is just glorious and when you say record number of telegrams they might never have received a telegram before so all it takes is one <laughs> I want it to be true. I think you want it to be true too. I mean, we just want some fan to say, oh yeah, I sent that nasty telegram to Eric Bischoff. But I just, can't. I mean, maybe if it was 1940s, I would have believed it. But by 96, I can't see kids destroying merchandise and crying all night, not being able to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm a very young kids, maybe yeah very young if they were fully invested i mean where mm. uh, charlie my daughter is a massive young bucks fan yeah. and she adored the bucks in new japan and AEW and so on loved them like the only wrestling t-shirt she's ever owned is a young bucks shirt barring local guys that we go and see uh, and she she lived in this young bucks t-shirt and she loved them and all this sort of stuff and saved up her money and spent the best part of 70 quid on some action figures because they're a limited edition and all this sort of stuff absolutely adored the young bucks when they turned heel, she was devastated. Oh. Absolutely heartbroken. I mean, now she gets it because she's at an age now where she kind of understands how wrestling works. But even as recent as, say, 12 months ago, she was still a bit unsure. She yep. was heartbroken when they turned heel. Ah, oh, I got you. That's just the cynical wrestling fan in me. <laughs> but, but I just, I want to believe that happened. But it's just like, come on, record numbers. <laughs> If anyone out there listening to the show sent a telegram to WCW, rang them, wrote them a letter or anything, please let us know. I'd love to know <laughs> what was said. I really would. But anyway, anyway, um, this match here is pretty much just a standard Ric Flair match. We have a couple of moments where Jim Powers kind of loses his way. I feel he seems a little bit lost in certain moments, Danny. Yeah, anything outside of that pretty intense chop battle that he had with Ric Flair in this I found it was a bit like he he would not don't want to say he was unsure of himself but it felt like he didn't belong in this match just me saying it yeah you're right I mean there's the famous Flair top rope spot where he climbs to the top and always gets caught and then thrown off the top rope and so on I mean as wrestling fans we know when Flair goes to the top rope what is going to happen 
Jim Paris didn't quite seem to know what he should do, which puzzled me a bit. There's another moment where Flair is in the corner and he does the whole no, no thing with his hands up, telling them to give him a chance. He drops down to his knees and so on. And Jim Paris just stops. And you can actually physically see Ric Flair, as he's shouting no, move his one hand to motion to bring him in. Yeah. Because Jim Paris has lost his way a bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, ultimately, Flair gets the win with a figure four. And, I mean, Flair, we've sang the praises of Ric Flair so far on Nitro Nights with regards to how good he makes his opponents look. Here, I think maybe there was just a timing issue, a communication issue. Um, Jim Powers maybe not you know, fully invested in what he had to do. I don't know. But it didn't quite work for me, this one. No, the same can be said for me. Okay, uh, the four horsemen then give us a promo afterwards with Gene, and they're talking. They start talking about Hogan a little bit, but then it just turns into Flair drinking champagne, wooing, and shouting a lot. So, <laughs> kind of standard, really. Yeah, it was, but um, Ric Flair's definitely showing that he's not worried at all. No, he doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> he probably didn't even realize what happened <laughs> uh eric bischoff and bobby heenan are then at the commentary desk and they are talking i suppose very fired up very passionately about fighting back saying that it's not just hulk hogan we've got other people in in this company as well and it, we're not just going to take this line down. You're not taking WCW over. We're going to fight back. And I quite liked that because you've got Bobby Heenan, who is predominantly a heel. Bischoff, who is like the, the, the play-by-play, squeaky clean, you know, babyface announcer. And they're both sending out the same message together, which I thought was really good. Yeah, I like that. It was very much like we're at war and we're going to fight you as opposed to what he was saying just minutes ago when he was like, oh, I was busy. Um, <laughs> it seemed like he had changed his tune and was like, nope, we're ready to take these on. Well, where was you last night when the action was happening, Bischoff? <laughs> mm, Bischoff apparently was in meetings. Yeah, righto. Um, <laughs> Bobby Heenan also, sorry, I should have mentioned this when we were discussing the flare match. Bobby Heenan also, halfway through the flare match, uh, as they're discussing Hulk Hogan again and the merchandise being destroyed and so on, Literally turns around. I love this by Heenan. He turns around and says, I've been telling you for 20 years he's no good. Yeah. I don't want to say I told you so, but I've been saying for 20 years that Hogan's a cheat and a liar and he's no good. And it's like, that. I love that as well. Because we talked about it on our Bash at the Beach episode and our NWR episode. The line from Heenan, whose side is he on when he comes to the ring? Yes, people could think, oh, it's a spoiler for what's about to happen. The Heenan character for so many years was opposed to everything Hogan did. So it makes perfect sense. Bang on, mate. And it's just like, so him putting a bow on it kind of here, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Our next match was supposed to be, apparently, Chris Benoit versus Lex Luger, which I think would have been a really interesting contest. Two very different styles to two guys who are very synonymous with WCW at this point in time. And Luger, of course, it, it promotes his whole career. I mean, that would have been a very interesting match. But Luger isn't there because apparently he suffered quite a serious injury at Bash at the Beach when he was taken out on the stretcher. So Craig Pittman is going to substitute for him. And my heart sank a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the other one, mate. Yeah, the same here. I mean, 
Lex Luger, Chris Benoit. Yeah, that very intriguing. Yeah. Mm. I, I imagine we'll see it at some point. But yeah, it's a shame it didn't happen here. But I mean, again, it's another match that there's nothing wrong with it. But it's not exactly something I'd rush out to go back and watch again. Yeah, I can feel that because to me, the biggest thing in this match was the. Um, I saw Chris Benoit's face and it was still bashed up from, um, well, I, I believed the night before, but he's, uh, we've talked about that. Was it makeup? Wasn't it makeup? But it was like, yeah, that was the biggest thing I was watching. It was like, wow. But he faced Sergeant Craig Pittman. Um, this match is kind of there. Mm. I think it's there to maybe it just serve a storyline device because I mean, Benoit dominates early on. Eventually, they drop to the outside. Benoit gets distracted by Teddy Long, who is Pittman's manager. Uh, Pittman then hits Benoit from behind. They get back in the ring. Benoit snaps the crossface on pretty much straight away and wins via submission. But Teddy Long is in the ring giving up for him, I think, is the, uh, I think is the story they're trying to tell. Because Pittman's actually got his thumb up saying, I'm okay, when the bell is rang. Teddy Long is kind of giving up for him. So I think it's just a... They're using this opportunity to move a story along, as opposed to give us like a a, a five star classic. Not that, yeah. Not that Sergeant Pittman could give us a five star <laughs> classic, but you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, definitely, mate. And we'll have to see where that goes. Mm, yeah, definitely. Uh, next up, then, is a match that screams Jim Crockett Promotions, screams early nineties wrestling to me, and it really is again symbolic of WCW. We have Arn Anderson versus Sting, and I, I know. Sting and Flair are kind of the two. They they always wrestled it through Jim Crockett promotions, the NWA, and all that sort of stuff. And they wrestled on the first Nitro. You know, spoiler alert, people. They wrestled on the last Nitro, uh, and all this kind. Of, and they've always got that feud going back and forth. But I love seeing Sting and Arn as well because I just yeah. think they, they they've got real chemistry in the ring, Danny. They really do, mate. And when I saw this match was announced, it was coming up next, I was just like, yep, this is one of those ones where I need to watch first and then take notes after because this felt like a main event. Yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, Sting is brilliant here, I think, because he's walking to the ring very subdued. We haven't got our usual happy neon surfer Sting. He's not wooing and wailing to the crowd. He's not jumping about full of energy he's not getting excited about his own pyro or anything like that he's very subdued he's obviously it's got to him what's happened with hogan and i also like that there's some young kids in the front row who sting still takes the time to go over and high five and say hello to it would have been very easy for sting to act subdued act upset act like his mind is elsewhere and nobody would bat an eyelid if he didn't go and do the usual sort of high fives and you know touching the kids' hands and all that sort of stuff. But there was a couple he, he sort of went over to, and there was one smaller child that he missed first time round, and he went back to make sure that that kid got his high five. And this kid jumped up and down and celebrated like it was Christmas morning because Sting had gone back and given him a little high five and said hello. So yeah. I think Sting putting across how upset and subdued and, and devastated he is about what happened the night before works brilliantly and he still managed to make that kid's day so i love that yeah i love it too i mean there was a, a clip that went viral um this week where seth rollins uh went and um uh kind of like uh just 
interacted with a young fan on I don't know if you saw that this week side did you no oh it, it went around and it just it just makes you feel good it's like yeah we remember being uh, that young kids and um, going to a wrestling show uh, or just watching them on TV and just being um, happy that they acknowledged you so anytime a wrestler does this it's a huge huge bonus mm. oh totally and, and ultimately it is, it is about the fans and it is about the kids yeah you know I get more pleasure from a, a lo- little local wrestling event from seeing my two youngest girls' reactions than I do actually being there myself sometimes. Yeah. You know, I'm watching I'm watching these these matches put on by the local companies and I'm looking for good wrestling to entertain me. And if it's not great, and I mean obviously these these guys are a certain level. We do get some half decent names and some very talented performers, but we also get some guys who maybe aren't maybe they shouldn't be you know i shouldn't be judging them on their wrestling ability because they're not there for that potentially shall we say i'm trying to be polite of how i work yeah no but i look at my i look at my girls they don't give a rat's ass they don't care if we're getting you know omega okada in front of us they don't care about any of that they just love what they they love to boo the bad guys, cheer the good guys, and you know I mentioned the guy quite regularly, but Yestin Reese is Charlie's absolute favourite, and he could come out and have the worst match in the world. She will still be so excited because he looks out for her and comes over and gives her a little high five and says hi because he knows how much of a fan she is, and he you know she is just made up. That does her evening, and I, I think that's fantastic as well. Yeah, always is, mate. Mm. Uh, this match starts with eric bischoff telling us oh i'm getting told we may have guests arriving referencing hall and nash so we've got that to come shortly uh both guys exchange arm bars uh, and it's pretty decent wrestling at the beginning to be fair it's, it's you know exchanging moves back and forth i mean sting i think whereas he's not as talented when it comes to the actual pure wrestling side of things to say an Arn anderson or a rick flair or, or whatever he can hold his own and yeah. he's not just a brawler or a big guy hitting a splash in a DDT or whatever. And it shows here with Arn that he can he, he he can hold his end of the bargain, I suppose, Danny. It really does, mate. And it's like there was some excellent power moves thrown by Sting and Arn in this match. Mm. Um, I loved Arn's uh, choking. I, I refer to it as Arn's choking face, where he actually looks like he's uh, wanting to kill you when he's choking you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he applied that here. Um, yeah, I actually really enjoyed this. Yeah, it was great. Uh, we go to an advert and we get another Glacier promo, but obviously it says coming to WCW and we're nearly at the end of the show. So I think Glacier is going to have to get his map out and see where they are next week, potentially. And as this happens, we come back from the ad, ad break and a black limousine arrives. Interesting. Yes. Do you know what? Um, a few years ago, I, I was watching the 2003 Raw episodes and I tried to count how many times a black limousine or any limousine pulled up. Um, I, I don't know. This might have been the first ever time. Okay. On a WCW, but I'm not sure. Maybe we had some in the 80s as well, but it became a very, um, it became almost parody in the 2000s WWE when. Um, uh, Limo would pull up and Vincent Mann would come out or Ric Flair would come out. I'm wondering when the first time we got that, and I'm, I want to say it was here, but I'm just guessing because Ric Flair's been around since the 70s, it might have been the 80s or something where a Limo pulled up. Yeah, I mean, there was quite a bit 
well, I say quite a bit, quite big angles then. Maybe not many, but important angles that took mm. place in car parks with regards to the horsemen in the 80s. Um, we had Lex Luger getting attacked in a car park uh, by the horsemen. And there was a limo there, I believe. Um, there was something with Dusty Rhodes and, and something else with Barry Windham as well. And again, it all involved the Horsemen and, and Jim Crockett promotions and, and in that late 80s era, sort of 86, 87, 88, and so on. So it was always the gimmick, wasn't it, with Flair and the Horsemen, you know, jet flying, limousine riding, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's uh, modern day wrestling. It is very much a. A, a sort of comedy spot for me at times when you see a limo arrive because the way the limo does arrive quite often on raw i mean there, there was a spell of evolution when if you remember that group danny yeah they they would arrive in their limo and you're looking and you're thinking you've literally just driven six yards <laughs> for the sake of the camera because you look behind the limo there's no way in the shutters are down yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and just stuff like that it, it's just it's yeah. not it's wrestling, isn't it? It's wrestling. It is, but, but I've just are. I've just remembered. I I remember the first limo we saw on Nitro was uh, when Chris Benoit uh, debuted and in uh, WCW, and he pulled out of a, of a uh, limo. And, ah, um, yeah, okay. but actually, I'm going to keep um, a tab on this one going forward because there was just so many limo. Um, who's coming out of the limo spots? <laughs> oh, we got Scottish Danny's limo count. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sting misses a splash after being in a abdominal stretch for quite a while. Uh, Arn Anderson applies a Boston Crab, which is one of my favorite wrestling moves. So simple but effective. Sting eventually counters Arn coming off the middle rope, and that's when National Hall arrive. And Savage is there as well at this point. Savage comes running out, and I loved the image of Savage, Sting, and the heel Arn Anderson all stood united looking down at the outsiders you know even though you know sting and the horsemen have always had problems and savage isn't a fan of iron uh, and so on they all stood united looking at hall and nash i thought that was a real striking image yeah definitely and that's something uh going back to what you said um a couple weeks ago um that's something that would have made the um pre-pay-per-view Nitro pre Bash of the Beach um, Nitro, it, it would have made the ending a lot better. Um, instead, we didn't get that, but we got um, this stare down, which was just excellent. Mm. Until, of course, you know, let's, let's always remember Arn Anderson is a member of the Horseman, so he's a sneaky bastard. And yeah. uh, he, <laughs> he tries to roll Sting up, which I loved, but Sting uh, counters this. Well, he tries for DDT, sorry, doesn't he? But Sting counters this and very quickly wins with the Scorpion Deathlock. Security arrive and they escort the outsiders away and we get Mean Gene talking to Sting and this promo by Sting, Danny, is it's it's split for me because the beginning is silly. But the ending, I think, is superb. Sting starts by talking about the Hogan turn and says he's not surprised, but I am surprised but I'm not surprised, but I should have known, and I am surprised. <laughs> and I was just kind of thinking, what the hell? Is that humidity Larry Zabisco been going on about got to his head? I don't understand what he's talking about here. <laughs> I think it certainly has, yeah. But um, he, he might have just been lost for mm. to say. Um, in kayfabe, he's just like, I can't believe this. He's just lost for words. <laughs> 
Exactly, exactly. But then, then he goes and he looks right down the camera, and he's talking to Hogan, and he's saying he's disgusted, he's he, he's devastated, he's this that the other, and then he turns around and says, um, "It's a good job." He talks about letting all the Hulkamaniacs die in and you, you, you've let all the kids die in and all that sort of stuff, which is a line they keep coming back to. It's quite important, I think, that they're pushing that. Yeah. But he also says it's a good job you told the kids to believe in themselves because now it's obvious they can't believe in you. And I was like, oh, what a line that is. Yeah, it, it was on par with the way he tells Hulk Hogan to stick it. Mm. Really, really good promo by Sting. Really good. Um. Gene is then with the Outsiders and they basically say that Hogan is away still filming um, that he will be here next week and they say he's probably watching somewhere and I love this because there's Scott Hall the coolest man in television waving to the camera going hi Hulk <laughs> just really t- I don't know why but it really tickled me it does, mate, but there was just something in the previous, um, as, as Sting was ranting on the microphone and things, Macho Man, actually, I don't know if this, I believe this was the first time, actually, Macho Man refers to Hulk Hogan as Hollywood Hogan for the first ever time. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. I've done a, didn't Gene reference it in the episode as well? Or am I thinking of potentially next week? I'm not sure. Oh, that's a hard one, but I, I remember writing that down because that was the first time... I heard you okay. might be right with that, but yeah. Um, and I was always thinking, is that where they got Hollywood Hogan from? Interesting. Interesting. I mean, I know the name Hollywood Hogan was brought in so that it was a different, it's like when Jericho changes something about his appearance every time he turns heel and face. Yeah. Bischoff and Hogan wanted something different attached to the name. So they get rid of the Hulk and so on. And also, I don't know if this was happening at this point in time, but there was occasionally issues with Hogan referring to himself as Hulk with regards to the Marvel or DC character, whatever it may well be. I know in the eighties there was a legal battle and they kind of agreed to sort of let it both happen and so on. But it was, it did come up again in future years momentarily. So I don't know if that's here. I'm yeah. not sure. I could be way off again, Danny. I'm not sure. I'd have to have a look into it, but yeah, but yeah, the, the Hollywood name, I, I, I like that as well though. Hollywood Hogan. Cause it has that yeah. ar- arrogance to it, doesn't it? You know? Yeah, definitely. Ah, uh, yeah. So next week we're going to see Hogan apparently. And we then get a recap of the bash at the beach moment. Um, st- stills of the, the finale of the show and Bobby Heenan gets really hot here. Uh, and cuts a promo to the to the camera as well about Hogan, about the Outsiders, and about how they're not going to take over. And I, I enjoyed it. I mean, he then in, in 96 is just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. But that kind of concludes this episode of Nitro. The, uh, the first episode of Nitro post-Hogan turn. Um, we'll get now to our ratings and our plus points and our negatives, our woos and our oh brothers, Danny. Brother, 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 brothers, brother, Woo! brother. Do you want to go first or second, my friend? I'll go second this week, mate. Okie doke. Uh, my O brother, my negative, is I think not really a surprise to anybody. It's literally the thought of getting more of John Tenter and Bubba. <laughs> I, I really thought we were done with this shit. Yeah, totally, mate. <laughs> Yeah, but there we go. What's your negative, my friend? It would have to be um, 
Chris Benoit versus uh, Craig Pittman because um, just matches general overall. I don't want to bury the matches, but they weren't all a hit for me. I mean, we had Jim Powers versus Ric Flair, but yeah, Chris Benoit and Craig Pittman just, I, I wrote down it was a Styles clash. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. I just, I just don't think Pittman's that great, to be honest. I think that's a stumbling block with that. So, but yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. It wasn't, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Uh, my woo, my positive. Um, I was thinking about the Sting promo as being the a highlight of the night for me, but the the ending of it, especially with that line about you know the kids not being able to count on Hogan. But because he started it a little bit tongue-tied and a bit nonsense, it kind of, you know, it, it slipped out of my mind. Scott Hall waving at the camera going, Hi Hulk, just tickled me a great deal, but it's not enough of a moment to, to warrant winning the woo. So my woo this week, my my highlight, is Rey Mysterio winning the Cruiserweight Championship, Danny. Oh, excellent. Yeah, that was a great moment. It was indeed. It was indeed. And it really sort of, I suppose, this night, Rey winning the Cruiserweight title, you still obviously got Dimalenko involved in the division as well. You had Psychosis and Eddie Guerrero facing off later in the show. It, it's really sort of a quite quite an important evening for that division. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, what about yourself, my friend? Your your high point, your woo. My one was definitely um, as frustrated as I, as I was when it was announced it has to be Hulk Hogan not showing up because <laughs> it made me double excited for the week after because it's like oh, okay, I can't wait for this to finish now so I can watch um, the July 15th episode yes. um, As but as frustrated as it is it's like oh man but then you realise you're gonna he's gonna come next week so yeah it would be that yeah indeed indeed great stuff um Hit, miss, or middling overall, my friend? I would say middle for this one, Si. I mean, um, the, there was some great stuff on there in terms of interviews, but um, and we did have some good matches, but overall the match matches for me were quite a letdown this week. Um, okay. How about yourself, mate? Yeah, I've got middle as well. I, I, I suppose more of a high-end middle, potentially. Um, it was exciting with regards to seeing everyone's reaction to Bash at the Beach. But the in-ring action was, you know, it, it was functionable. It was decent, whereas never spectacular, barring the cruiserweight stuff, of course. But that goes without yeah. saying, I feel. And, yeah, it, I just feel that the whole wrestling world would have been watching this episode of Nitro. I know Raw did a 2.5 and, and, and so on, or whatever it was they got. But this is a big opportunity for WCW. The hottest, the hottest angle or hottest incident in professional wrestling happened in their company the night before i just think they could have really pushed the boat out with this episode knowing that eyes are going to be on the product yeah and i only think they really sort of half did that but it was still a still decent enough episode i still enjoyed it but i think it could have been there could have been a bit more to it maybe yeah yeah i can see that as well okay great stuff so then danny Next week, we have the return of, well, not the return of Hulk Hogan, I suppose. The uh, the proper debut of Hollywood Hogan arrives. And we see the three outsiders together on Nitro for the very first time. Very, very excited about this. So everyone look out for that episode next Thursday. And episodes of Nitro Nights dropping every single Thursday as we go through WCW, 
all the Nitros, all the Fenders, all the Clash of Champions, all the pay-per-views in date order, right from the very first episode of Nitro, right through till the company shut its doors in March 2001. I am bloody loving this project. It's it's one of my favourite shows to record. It's awesome. So I hope everyone is along for the ride with us. Uh, let us have your feedback online. I'll give the socials out in a moment. Let us know what you think about the show, what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. Unless, of course, you want to hear less of me, because it ain't really going to work that way. So, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's, you know, just let us know what you're thinking and what you're thinking about WCW at this time as well. Danny, where can the great people out there in internet world find you? Yep. You can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggalo. You can hear me on One Man's Meat podcast with the great Chris Bellis. You can hear me on Back When with the great Ty Peters. And you can hear me here next week with the great Cy Power where we'll be talking about the NWO. We will indeed, mate. We will indeed. Uh, you can find me online and I suppose anything I'm involved in with the, the well, on the network that carries this show, I guess. So that's at SJP World Media. That's on Facebook and Twitter and all your podcast players and providers and so on. So make sure you are subscribed to all the feeds that you use don't just click on and press play please subscribe so you get a notification every time a new episode drops we have the nitro nights own feed via sjp world media and then you have the sjp world media main feed itself where every show the network carries is on there so if you want to just listen to nitro nights there is its own feed of course and you can go back through the back catalog on there uh, just by searching nitro nights on your podcast players and so on or you can take in everything the network carries. So we have plenty of wrestling content with regards to uh, modern day stuff. RSH, the, our, our fabulous trio in the States, looking at modern day WWE for us week by week. Uh, Benny Mac and Tyler Peters on In the Corner, this side of the water. Well, Tyler's from the States, but Benny, the host, is from this side of the water, looking at modern day WWE and having some fantastic debates there as well about wrestling in general in the corner uh, coming out twice a week I believe now it is and this is a pay-per-view in which case you get bonus content as well we have chain wrestling where Mr. Mags and myself look at one particular match a week and have a non-wrestling topic and just try and have a bit of a a bit of a laugh and a bit of fun once a week there and then you've got loads of other shows covering music, um, TV programs. We've got a Faulty Towers podcast called Farty Owls. We've got a podcast looking at Murder in Mind with our good friend Morty as well. The old BBC uh, murder drama show from the early 2000s there. Um, we've got the Doctor Who pod, of course, with Dan Griffin looking at classic and new episodes of Doctor Who each week there. And also we have The Waiting Room. Looking at the old classic Quantum Leap television show, which is I can say I can say is going to be back very very soon because we've already recorded several episodes lined up ready for release. So that's all at SJP World Media on Facebook, Twitter, and all your podcast carriers and players. But most importantly, you can follow this show itself at Nitro underscore Nights on Facebook and Twitter. That's at Nitro underscore Nights. Check us a follow, retweet all our stuff dive on into the merch store the, the the link for merch is in the details of this episode in the description of this episode that you're listening to now as well as all over our social medias we've got some fantastic designs uh, and that's the best way of supporting the network and the shows the network carries if you're buying t-shirts if you're buying mugs if you're buying your hoodies if you're buying your merch it helps fund the network which provides you these shows danny it's been a blast my friend it has mate and I'll see you next week you will indeed and to everyone else as always thank you for listening <laughs> <laughs>